Welcome to Grow Opportunity, the podcast, featuring conversations with thought leaders and experts in the Canadian cannabis industry. This podcast is brought to you by Emerald Harvest, premium hydroponic nutrients for simple, easy success. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Opportunity podcast. I'm your host, Marilyn de Guzman. I recently spoke with Greg Engel, the CEO of licensed producer Organigram, based in Moncton, New Brunswick. Over the years, Organigram has made some significant investments in innovation and technology that provide the framework for operational efficiencies and the company's growth and development. Recently, the company shared some big news with a significant investment from and an R&D collaboration agreement with the British American Tobacco. Greg talked about this deal and what this means for the future of Organigram and its product offerings. Greg also shared his thoughts about the growing pains the cannabis industry has gone through over the last two years, the lessons learned from that, as well as the challenges and opportunities for both the adult recreational market and the medical cannabis sector. Here's my conversation with Greg Engel, CEO of Organigram. Let's listen in. Could you talk about the recent big news from Organigram as the investment from the British American Tobacco can you give us an update on this and what this investment means for Organigram moving forward? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a huge, I mean, it's game changing for us as a company, right? I mean, it, it does three things. One is that it certainly, um, you know, it's, it's about product development and collaboration. So we jointly um, are going to be, you know, jointly funding a collaboration center of excellence at our facility in Moncton over the next three years at a minimum. So, you know, our goal along with BAT is to create, you know, new innovative forms uh, for cannabinoid delivery, initial focus on CBD and THC. I think the second is for us is that, you know, it's, it's a, uh, you know, major influx of capital for us. It's 175 million US um, as an investment. And, you know, as a company um, puts us, positions us very well for, you know, future expansion as we look at other markets, especially considering, you know, as part of this collaboration, we will, both companies will have, you know, uh, collaborate, you know, sorry, have commercialization rights for any and all of the products created out of this collaboration for other markets like the U.S. or international. Um, and then I think, you know, the third thing would be that, uh, you know, we're, we're really excited to have an investor, um, you know, on this collaboration in BAT that, you know, they bring a lot of um, global expertise and, you know, already, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a steering committee for the Center of Excellence, which jointly staffed by senior members of both companies. Um, we also will have two board members um, from BAT. One has already been announced, Jan Hepper, who's got deep ex- commercial experience, um, strategic leadership experience, and, you know, not only BAT, but at P&G, Danone, Lifestyles Health. So, um, you know, expanding our board to have a more international presence um, is, is important, but also bringing that kind of commercial expertise and, and global expertise is, is key part as well. Right. I, I want to get back to the global expansion later on in my question, but I wanted to um, just ask, is this uh, sort of this R&D that you're going to be taking, uh, you're going to be uh, initiating, um, is this going to sort of, uh, provide some strategies for your cannabis 2.0 play. Um, can you talk about your cannabis 2.0 strategy? Yeah, I mean, our our focus on 2.0 to date has been, um, you know, very much in a couple. I mean, certainly we've got a broad vapor portfolio, and certainly 
you know, expanding that vapor portfolio over time is going to be part of this R&D effort um, and looking at alternative or different vapor delivery uh, or different products. I think, you know, on, on the oral side, um, you know, we, we currently have, um, you know, leading chocolates, you know, like extremely high quality chocolates on a, on a oral edibles perspective. And then we also, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of the big parts of this investment is, you know, we're a company that's very innovative and we've been focused on innovation and tech. So currently we have a dried powder for beverages, which is, a, uh, you know, a nano emulsification product that allows people to add, um, you know, either THC, CBD or a combination of both to beverages of their choice um, and to microdose with that because the you know nano emulsification is very small molecules, so 20 to 25 nanometers, and so the effect can be um, you know traditional edibles will take 60 to 90 minutes or beverages, and so with our powder, um, depending on you know if you have an empty stomach or full stomach, um, you can feel an effect within you know 10 to 15 minutes. So certainly allows people to microdose. So you know the goal of this collaboration is kind of both companies putting IP into it. Um, and then focused on oral and vapor product deliveries going forward. And, and so, you know, that's that's a big part of uh, kind of future products for us. Right. Uh, nano emulsification sounds, like, sounds really interesting and innovative. Um, yeah, so looking forward to hearing more about that. So um, you were the CEO at Tilray in British Columbia previously, and now you're all the way on the other side of the coast in New Brunswick. How do these uh, jurisdictions compare in terms of, uh, like from the perspective of operating a cannabis license production facility? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, um, so, was, you know, I've been at Organogram now for four years, and I think, you know, for, for me, you know, I, I guess I had the advantage when I joined Organogram that, you know, I'd been in this space for a couple of years previously and had a good perspective on the industry. And so, you know, our focus is... Um, we, you know, we have what we believe is the largest indoor facility in the world in terms of production capacity because we, we do things very differently. And when I talked about innovation, like we grow on three levels in every production room, mm-hmm. uh, we have microclimate controls. But so that's us as a facility, you know, as a, as a work environment. I mean, you know, Moncton and New Brunswick has been uh, it's been a great location, um, you know, from an employee perspective, we've been able to. Um, you know, find and attract employees uh, in the region um, and very successfully. And certainly, you know, the, the great part about, um, you know, what we've been doing as well is, you know, we've seen over time a lot of, um, you know, trades or, or, or researchers, um, you know, RD people that have, you know, gone to jobs elsewhere in the country. And we've been able to attract people to return home, um, you know, whether or not it's in the trades within our facility or in some of the R&D positions, um, you know, that are from Atlanta, Canada, originally wanted to come back. And I think, you know, that's been a big part of our success is, you know, and now with this innovation hub, we're going to be expanding that even further, right, with this mm-hmm. center of excellence, um, you know, because both parties are contributing employees to this from our R&D groups. And, you know, there'll be some secondees from from VAT, from, you know, the UK and the US potentially, um, but we'll be hiring, you know, we're, we're going to be expanding the staff and hiring new people. So um, I think that's an exciting part where, again, uh, people may have had to go elsewhere in the country or, or even in North America. Um, you know, we recently had someone join the company from the US who's, who's um, you know, relocated back to Moncton um, for family reasons. And, uh, 
you know, it's, a, it's an ability to attract people um, to be able to find, you know, a, a role like this in their, you know, in their hometown or region. It's been great. Right. And you've also been working with the University of, um, uh, with the, in terms of genetics, um, just finding some, you know, like ways to improve genetics for like, uh, I guess, um, yeah, pest, resistance. Pest, pest, yeah. yeah, pest resistance, etc. Yeah, that's been a big UDEM, our partnership. You know, the work we've been doing in them has been great. We've allocated some space in our facility where um, their researchers have access to. They're able to do research within our facility. Um, so it's been ongoing, and that's um, you know that's a that's a multi year collaboration that's been ongoing now for a couple of years. And um, again, it's been it's been great because we have we were fortunate we have researchers in London that were at the university that were interested in doing cannabinoid science and we were able to facilitate that research within our facility. So both, you know, advantage for both us and them. Have there there been some results in that research that you're able to apply now to, like in terms of the genetics? Um, So there's actually some work that's going to be published in the not too distant future that can highlight some of the work we do. And so I don't want to, I don't want to give away, kind of that, you know, the kind of any results of what we've done until it's published. I mean, certainly that's important, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good collaboration and I think it's, it's assisted, as I said, us in that. So the cannabis industry has gone through a significant amount of, uh, I guess, growing pains over the last two years. What have been the lessons learned from the experiences, uh, from your perspective of the last two years, and how has that influenced your business strategies moving forward? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, we were, I, I would say when, you know, we went from being a very small medical company to a recreational company with a national presence, right? So, you know, one of the things we did extremely well early on was we had invested in automation. Um, we had invested and in, we had our cultivation up and running successfully. Um, and, you know, so certainly that was a key thing and one of the key things that we continue to invest in, right? So I would say, the, you know, one of the things you can, you know, one of our kind of cultural models internally is never stop growing. It has kind of two meanings. One is, you know, evolving as a company and the other is growing plants, right? So, um, and, and so when you think of like evolution, that's critical to continue to invest in technology and, you know, especially on the packaging side, on the plant growth side um, and new product forms. Um, And I think the other key learning, you know, that, um, you know, we probably, it did fall behind a little bit on versus some of the other companies or a few other companies was the evolution in the consumer, right? The, mm-hmm. the, you know, you know, bringing new genetics in because, you know, under the previous, until the cannabis act was passed and until smaller nurseries were getting licensed, it was very difficult to get new genetics. So, it, you know, you were challenged to get genetics and how you could do that. So, it's been critical to invest in those new genetics to bring, you know, new plants, um, you know, new strains to the marketplace because the consumer is always, you know, I think there's the cannabis consumer is very much in many aspects, like a, I would say more of a craft brew consumer than a, and a kind of, you know, stick with their standard, you know, couple beverages they drink. I mean, they, they want to try new things they are excited by different things. Um, so as a company, you have to be continually, focused on and i think that's been one of the critical learnings is you know getting those new genetics and it takes you know it can take you anywhere from six to, to to 12 months to really get a new genetic up and running at high 
you know production yields and capacity so um, so that's a long learning curve, but you have to be planning in advance. And we, you know, we've been seeing over the last three to four months just the the results of the work we had been doing. So I, I, I yeah, so you've talked about some of your investment strategies, but if you were to summarize it, I guess um, in you know sort of points, what are the current strategic investment priorities for Organigram, mm-hmm. and why? Well, this, I mean, certainly this is one of them, um, mm-hmm. investing in, you know, we were jointly funding between two companies, the Center of Excellence, so focused on innovation and new technologies. I mentioned kind of, you know, new product forms. Mm-hmm. We're also, um, we're one of only two companies that's invested in biosynthesis. So um, we're invested in a Canadian company called Hyacinth, which is, um, you know, has a, a platform where they're producing cannabinoids from yeast fermentation with enzymatic conversion. Um, and again, we're one of only two cannabis companies invested in that. And we believe in the future that's going to be um, has tremendous potential, um, you know, especially on minor cannabinoids that are found in very low levels in the plant to produce those at, you know, at, at a in high volume in a pure form where you could actually create new innovative products or, um, you know, supplement existing products with them. And, you know, I'll give an example, um, you know, one of the, one of the minor cannabinoids that Hyacinth is doing work on, um, and has filed numerous patent applications is THCV. So THCV is psychoactive in the same way that THC is, but, uh, it's also being linked and, and been reported that it's an appetite suppressant. So one of the, you know, one of the challenges that people, some people face with, you know, using uh, cannabis in different forms is that it, you know, it, it gives them kind of an appetite and they get the munchies sort of thing. Right. So if you could deliver the same effect, but in a way that has a bit of a suppressing, uh, suppressant on appetite, uh, which certainly, you know, has tremendous potential both recreationally and potentially as a medical uh, product as well. So, um, so you know, I think for us, that's a strategic priority is continue to invest in, you know, not only product delivery forms, but new forms. And, and you know, that investment in biosynthesis is, is critical. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the last one is ahead, the one point I made earlier is just, you know, efficiency is critical, right? You know, as a company, you've got to focus on automation. You've got to focus on your systems. You've got to continue to look at how do you continue to improve your efficiency? Because, you know, we have seen costs come down um, and average selling prices have come down. So there's more and more pressure on companies to do things more efficiently. And and that's a critical aspect for us as well. Mm -hmm. And and you're doing a lot of, um, in that respect to the, um, that your automation with data, uh, like you're using a lot of data, right, to to sort of get that uh, intelligence insight. Yeah, absolutely. Like we've developed our own software for our growth platform within our facility. So, and, you know, we have over 100 cultivation rooms, so we, we can create microclimates for each plant, but even downstream in terms of, you know, how we do um, product, uh, you know, how we do product processing, how we do packaging, you know, investing in, and not only automation, but the systems around that as well has been critical. So, right. so two years into legalization, what barriers and challenges challenges do you think is still remain for the industry? Um, I wrote an op-ed last month that um, you know was published that you know I, I highlight a few things. I mean, one certainly is having you know the the excise stamp and the excise tax is still a significant issue, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you know the challenge of having unique excise stamping for each province adds a layer of complexity which makes it difficult to fulfill 
product, you know, and otherwise you could have the existing working product or process, you know, with product that you have prepackaged. You can do that to some degree in high volume SKUs, but you have to kind of label on demand against some products. So that's a challenge. And and if you think back to, you know, the original task force that was put in place pre-passing uh, of the Cannabis Act, one of the key aspects they focused on was don't overtax cannabis. Well, you know, when the when the excise tax was first put in place, it was set at a dollar per gram or 10%, um, you know, and the, the dollar per gram was a minimum. Um, so the the what we see now is with the large volume SKUs and the price come down, what used to be, you know, let's say 10% or maybe 15% um, on many products, the dollar per gram can be 30 or 40% of the average selling price, right? So um, that has created a real barrier for legal the legal market to compete with the illicit market still. So, so that's one barrier. I think, you know, I think the the second barrier is still the lack of communication and marketing around effects. I mentioned dark dried powder, for example, right? So we, we can't necessarily educate consumers that, you know, we have to, we put a warning on the package that this may act faster than other edibles or beverages that you're used to, Mm -hmm. but we can't, we can't actually educate the consumer that, Hey, this can allow you to microdose. This can allow you, you know, not only to, to expect an effect in ten to fifteen minutes, but it'll it'll have a faster onset and a faster offset. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having that inability to market, communicate to consumers is is made it extremely challenging as an industry. Right. So, are, are you seeing so, um, like maybe some signs from the regulators because the education and marketing those types of um, regulatory the strict regulations right like that's sort of like a hot topic among in this among industry observers but are you seeing um sort of like a relaxing or like a some signs from the regulators that this you know this is something that might evolve into a you know more acceptable level that gives the lps a little bit more leeway um i mean we certainly have not seen any signals directly from the regulator. I mean, we're optimistic as an industry as the, you know, I, I mean, if you think of why the restrictions mm-hmm. were in place, I mean, the, 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 the government and the focus of the regulator was, you know, they don't want to, um, you know, they don't want the products to appeal to kids. They don't want, um, you know, to, to increase consumption levels. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they were looking to kind of, you know, regulate a market that already existed and, you know, we haven't seen issues. I mean, there's been reported issues in the media about, um, you know, issues with, with kids and consuming edibles, but those have all been illicit product, right? right? Because, you know, it's illicit product that is designed in a form that, you know, mirrors existing candies and even, you know, is labeled and, you know, and, and has, um, you know, very high dose of THC in it on a per serving basis versus what's allowed in the legal market. So, so I think, you know, optimistically, we hope that there's movement, but we certainly have not yet seen, um, you know, signal that the Cannabis Act will undergo, um, you know, a review um, that'll start at the end of this year. So, you know, hopefully one of the key things we can get some movement on is that ability to market and communicate with consumers. Right. And you mentioned the illicit market. There's also, um, I wonder, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on this emerging threat risk for uh, counterfeit cannabis. Um, like what strategies is Organigram um, implementing to uh, for product, I guess, to secure against counterfeit? Like what are your thoughts on this? 
Well, I think, you know, I mean, certainly for all consumers, they should know, you know, if they're buying through a government store or government authorized site, then, mm-hmm. you know, or the website, they know that it's come from, you know, an existing um, a licensed producer and it undergoes rigorous testing. And I think, you know, again, I, I think as an industry, we need to do more and the, you know, the provincial and federal governments need to do more to educate consumers about the difference, right? I think that would be really important so consumers can understand that, you know, just typing in buy cannabis online and finding some website that'll ship you stuff. Um, it's, yeah. you know, it, the majority of those are all the illicit sites. You don't get the OCS or the, you know, come up as the first search item. You get a bunch of illicit sites that are paying Google to. Um, so I think there has to be more education there. And I think that's one of the key things. The onus is on us, but the onus is also on the provincial and federal governments to educate consumers about, you know, what, what legal product is and why, why it's important, right? It undergoes rigorous testing, um, you know, and, and the, it, there's a very strict regulations in terms of the, you know, um, materials or product. Like if you think back to the vaping health related illness issue that mm-hmm. occurred a couple of years ago was rampant in the U.S. and to, you know, there were cases in Canada, um, you know, all of those cases were linked, whether it was on, in the U.S. or Canada to, you know, illicit or counterfeit um, in the case of nicotine, but illicit cannabis uh, vape products or counterfeit nicotine products that had, um, you know, dangerous additives in them like vitamin E acetate, which was linked to the vaping health related. So I think educating consumers to understand that you know, if they're buying from some of these sites, there's no regulatory oversight of it. Right. I want to ask you about um, medical cannabis. So Organicum started out as, a, as, as many pioneers in the industry. You, you started out in the, as a licensed medical cannabis producer. Now with the accelerated growth of adult recreational cannabis, many industry observers say are saying the medical cannabis patients are getting left behind. How would you assess the development of or lack thereof of the medical cannabis sector? And what role do you think commercial LPs play in developing a dynamic and more responsive medical cannabis sector? You know, it's it's a great question. Like one of the things that's very challenging and was challenging, I mean, you know, in the medical space was it took changes to the rec space to allow us to deliver some of the form factors that were better suited for medical, right? So, um, you know, so ideally we would love to have had many of the form factors that we're providing and the, you know, that, 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 you know, were allowed once the cannabis act changed for recreational use or when the amendment came to allow for 2.0 products we're in, you know, we're focused certainly in creating products for, I mean, we've launched products specifically for our medical population. So for example, even our dried powder, uh, we initially launched that for our medical base before bringing it to the, you know, the recreational space, because certainly, um, you know, we, we know that a predominant, uh, part of our medical base is CBD users and having something, you know, if you consider many people use CBD for pain relief and having something that could be more, um, potentially fast acting than a traditional oil or oral consumption product was uh, was a huge benefit for people. So um, I think there's definitely, I mean, again, I, we, we certainly are, are excited about this collaboration with BAT because it's going to continue to our focus on R&D and, um, you know, many of the products I believe that we'll create through that avenue will have medical applications. Um, and I mentioned biosynthesis earlier. I think, you know, many of the minor cannabinoids, 
that can be produced through biosynthesis have medical applications. And, you know, hopefully at some point in the future, Hyacinth's in a position where they're working with a pharmaceutical company, possibly as a partner. I mean, I know that's one of their targets they've spoken about publicly is to find a pharmaceutical partner to do further development of some of the minor cannabinoids that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's talk about your global expansion, like your global market strategy. Uh, can you talk about the strategies for expansion into this emerging global market? Where do you yeah. think the opportunities are? Yeah, so we, I mean, we've been exporting to Australia under the medical system for a couple of years now, um, you know, through a partner there. And then last year we announced um, we're, you know, we're working with, uh, you know, an Israeli company called Candoc. Um, you know, we were exporting to them last year. There were some changes in the regulations for Israel. So we're working towards meeting those new changes and, you know, hope to start to begin exporting into Israel. Part of our you know, our agreement with the Kandok in Israel is, um, you know, they also could serve as an access point for us to, you know, sell to them. And then if they were going to sell derivative-based products produced from our product, they could, uh, under their EU GMP certification, sell those into Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think for us, we you know, we've got investment in a small investment in a German company as well that's moving towards kind of they've got their you know, they're kind of initial part of their licensing for cannabinoids and, and for cannabis, but they're working on the next um, kind of phase, which would allow them broader distribution. They've been doing some research to date. That's all for cannabis. And so I think when we, we look at the global market, I mean, you know, again, I, I had the benefit of, you know, coming from pharmaceutical and biotech before joining the cannabis space. So, you know, my perspective was globally medical. The medical market was going to be, you know, it was going to grow slowly. It wasn't going to be this, you know, rapid uptake that was going to happen because of two reasons. One is, you know, cannabis isn't a, you know, when you think of how physicians prescribe medications, um, you know, cannabis is not one of their first line treatments, right? It, it typically is kind of a third or fourth line or even further uh, product line that they'll try with people. So, um, you know, and it takes time and you're, you're getting physicians who are prescribing on a one individual basis perspective. And I think, you know, the other challenge, uh, and this goes back to your earlier question about the Canadian medical space, I mean, you know, not having uh, reimbursement. So, you know, there are countries like Germany where there is uh, reimbursement of their medical program, um, but that creates some challenge too because, you know, not having reimbursement, you know, patients end up paying out of pocket. So, but our strategy globally, I think, you know, this, this collaboration with BAT on the Center of Excellence is to create new and innovative forms that are going to allow us to commercialize them into other markets and whether or not that's directly ourselves or working through, you know, a third party that we can work with. I mean, there are some restrictions on the licensing, but we can certainly, um, you know, work with a contracts manufacturer in another jurisdiction and do distribution, um, you know, and, and work towards that ourselves with them as a commercial entity. So, you know, we, we believe this, this collaboration is going to provide us with a very, you know, extensive, broad number of new product forms that's going to allow us to, to access markets like the U.S. or international. This podcast is brought to you by Emerald Harvest, premium hydroponic nutrients for simple, easy success. Join us again next time for another engaging discussion. For the latest news and information impacting the Canadian cannabis industry, visit growopportunity.ca. Until next time.